John the Baptist calls for repentance, but then he goes on and says that there's more to come. Not simply doing away with evil, but enlarging the good and rejoicing in it and expanding it in the world. He says that Christ will come with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so we're to create a path for God, a path for God to enter our lives and the world in its need. Not only repentance, but accepting grace, each of us, to do in this world new things and make a new creation. I wanted to mention an example or two of that. And I thought I'd go back a ways to something that used to be shown on television every Christmas. And occasionally it still does. PBS had a special on the play. It was from a story written by a woman who became an ambassador. She did many things, famous writer. Her husband was the founder and publisher of Time Magazine. And it's a play that then was turned into a movie with two famous actresses. I think they've been nominated for Academy Awards just the year before. And I believe this, this particular movie was nominated for several. It's called Come to the Stable. Come to the Stable. It's shown at Christmas many times, not necessarily a Christmas play, except for the beginning. The beginning shows a barn and it's atelier for, a, for an artist, for a painter. And she's assembled the Holy Family and all the people you'd expect to be there at the first Christmas. And that's what she's busy painting. And then these two nuns arrive from France. There's someone unexpected. They took an exchange of letters, perhaps to mean more than was meant. It's always good to live in hope. You don't want to live in despair. There's a danger sometimes we can live in presumption. But they were certainly living in hope. And they come from France where they'd helped kids uh, without much means. And they came with the, the plan to build a children's hospital. That was their goal. Now, I hope you're not bored with technicalities, but they didn't have any money. And they didn't have anyone obvious to hand to help. But they figured they would get to that right now. And so the artist has that on her step and in her barn and in her home. It's another manger scene all over again. And so as they go exploring things, I won't give away too much, but I'll say this, that they find that the land that they have in prospect nearby uh, is land that is owned by someone in New York who happens to be, do you think this is an important clue or an unimportant clue, who happens to be a bookie? If we want to get technical legally, he's a racketeer. That's the guy who owns the land where they want to build the hospital and they want him to donate it. What do you think the chances are of that? What do you think the chances are of that? <clears throat> well, do remember we began with Isaiah. And Isaiah 11 talked about uh, the wolf shall be a guest to the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with a kid. The calf and the young lion shall browse together. And the cow and the bear shall be neighbors. Improbable, impossible. But I must tell you as a priest, you see a lot of stuff. And you see a lot of not only the goodness of God, but the goodness of people. Not only the particular one you're thinking of, you know, being converted, but when they ask for help, how remarkably they get it from other people, the goodness of people, people's good hearts, which we sometimes rush by and pass by, and in a certain sense, by our forgetfulness of that malign. And so gradually that becomes a possibility. And uh, indeed to this day, there is a monastery there in Bethlehem, Connecticut, good name, Bethlehem, Connecticut, do you think? 
It's a monastery there, Regina Laudis. That any number of women who've come to the dinners here have often gone there to pray or stay on retreat. And uh, so there's more, than, there's more than that, however. I told you about the two nuns come over and their success against impossible odds. Never bet against nuns. If you were in Chicago, you never wanted to go against Mother Cabrini. Could I give you a tip just for future years? And then uh, I told you about the, uh, the, the, the play written by the famous writer, Become, uh, become the Film. And then, uh, and then there was someone who was really at the turn of the last century a remarkably popular star. She was sort of the female, young female lead in all the movies. Now, how could I prove that to you? Well, uh, I'm a biochemist, so I don't know much about proof. But she gave Elvis his first kiss in a, on screen. She then was in a second movie as the female lead opposite Elvis Presley. And then the great male lead of the time, Montgomery Cliff, she was in a film with him. And then if you think of beach movies, she was in Where the Boys Are, which was the premier beach movies of all the kids going down on spring break, break to Florida. And so she was obviously the premier young romantic lead in the country. And, uh, but she did what John the Baptist suggested. She tried to create a path for God in her life. And that led her to do things which were costing. At times, even after she'd entered upon her plan, she would cry at night, but she was always sure of her decision. And she got a one-way ride at the height of her powers and popularity to Regina Laudis, and she joined that monastery as a nun. For years, she would get hate mail from some people. Why did you ever do that? You were such a marvelous actress. We all loved you. How crazy must you be? And you'll say to me, well, Father, obviously she did that, but it was harebrained and she only lasts one or two years. She's there now. On the way, she was Mother Abbess. She comes around and gives marvelous talks. You can imagine about the trajectory of God's grace in her life and in the world. She's beloved. Back before she made that decision, she had played in a movie, St. Francis of Assisi. She played St. Clair. And uh, she went to see Pope John XXIII in Rome. And he, she introduced herself and she said, I played St. Clair. And he disagreed with her. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, I've seen the movie. You were St. Clair. You were St. Clair. You were St. Clair. And the interesting thing, you know, is that's exactly what came to pass. She, got a, she gave her things away. She was friendly with Carl Malden and his family. She'd ask his little girls to be her bridesmaids. She was engaged to a fellow an architect. And then she decided upon this, so she gave her things away to them. And she told uh, the Maldens it was an affair of the heart. She didn't tell them with whom, but to God. She broke off the engagement, and she got a one-way ride to Regina Laudis. And she's been there ever since till now. She's been there ever since till now. In recent years, there was a documentary about her. I think there's, I think several things about her. One of them was God was greater than Elvis. And she actually appeared at the Oscars to, she was one of the, there was, that was one of the nominees uh, for an Oscar. God was bigger than Elvis. But what she did and those other two nuns did and the woman who wrote the story capture, I think beautifully, is what John the Baptist told them and tells all of us about and through the Christian centuries for every advent. He reminds us to repent and open in our lives a path, a cleared path through which God can enter. 
Sometimes we think of the word repentance and think of giving up sin, which makes perfect sense. But we also forget the other half of his prediction, don't we? Or sometimes. And that is that he predicts something greater than what he's doing, that baptism, repentance of sin. He talks about someone coming and indeed the remarkable great good news rivaling all the things I've just told you about, rivaling them still, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.